Are you ready? Yeah, you got the turkey defrosting and the defreezing. Not yet, right? Not yet, not yet, not quite yet. I feel like like we, we kind of jumped into it real fast because we had the campus Friendsgiving Friday night. So we had like a 20-something, 25 people, and we set the whole Thanksgiving table and, and did it up, candles, the whole thing. And uh, we had a blast. But it's kind of weird because I keep feeling like Thanksgiving's over already. Like it, and, and we're just gearing up. Family's all coming in Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's a great week for a lot of reasons, uh, some of which we're going to talk a little bit about today. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17, if you will. Um, in a lot of ways, I think it's the most Christian holiday. Uh, it's, the, it's the one holiday where we really kind of focus on something God wanted us to focus on. Um, Christmas technically is supposed to be that one, but we tend to more focus on what we get, not what we give. Um, but uh, Thanksgiving is a time that we are literally supposed to stop and give thanks. And not just give thanks, period, but give thanks to God. You know, and, and, uh, and that makes it, I think, one of the, probably one of the most Christian holidays. You know, the original... Thanksgiving was uh, by a uh, was written by Governor Bradford in 1623. It was about three years after the Pilgrims landed, and he wrote uh, he wrote this to all ye Pilgrims, inasmuch as the Great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, squashes, and garden vegetables. They're all down here below. Just in case you're wondering. And has made the forest to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams. Inasmuch as he has protected us from the raids of the savages, that would be my people, has spared us from the pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims with your wives and, your, and ye little ones do gather at ye meeting house on ye hill between the hours of 9 and 12 in the daytime on Thursday, November ye 29th. Okay, we're close, we're close. <laughs> of the year of our Lord, 1,623, and the third year since ye pilgrims landed on ye Plymouth Rock, there to listen to ye pastor, that would be me, and render thanksgiving to ye almighty God for his blessings. So, I mean, it doesn't get much more spiritually focused than that, you know. And thankfully, I don't have to say the word ye anymore. Um, but then, of course, what happened is they started doing that. And what happens? What always happens? We, we start to forget to be thankful. Amen. And they forgot to be thankful. And so... Fast forward a couple hundred years and Lincoln reestablishes it. Abraham Lincoln, when he was president, he wrote, We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and strengthened us and vainly imagined all these blessings were produced by some superior virtue or wisdom of our own. Intoxicated by unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient 
to feel the necessity for redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God who made us. And he reestablished Thanksgiving and made it a, a national holiday. And so I think in a lot of ways, it, it's a very important time. And, 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 you know, Thanksgiving is, there's just something very, very fundamentally spiritual, fundamentally right about it, about taking time to say thank you, right? The classic example, Luke chapter 17, verse 11, says that now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus, at Jesus' feet, and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. There's a whole lot here that's very impacting. The most obvious is that God notices if we're grateful or not. He notices it. He sees it. Like any parent, you know, we notice when our kids are grateful or not, right? We notice if our kids are happy and grateful on Christmas or if they're complaining about what they didn't get. We notice it, right? Like any individual, we notice if when we sacrifice and give, if others are grateful for that, or do they disregard it? We notice those who are grateful for us, right, for what we do. They tend to be our favorite people. We like to be around people who are grateful for us, right? And we want to do more for those who are grateful for us, right? We don't want to do more for those who are ingrateful or ungrateful, right? Because it validates us. There's something very powerful about gratitude. Something very right about that heart. And Jesus pointed it out. He noticed that of all these people that were healed that day, only one came back. And he wasn't even a Jew. He was a Samaritan. He was a foreigner. Which tells you just because you know what's right doesn't mean you're going to do what's right, right? Just because you know how you ought to be doesn't mean that's what you're being. Sometimes gratitude is very natural. Sometimes it just, it just flows, right? We're wired that way. Somebody does something first and we tend to feel grateful for it. But sometimes we get caught up in ourselves and we don't notice it. And it doesn't come out. And sometimes we have to decide, I'm going to make sure I'm being grateful. I'm going to make, I got to make sure that I'm aware of how much I am receiving, how much I have, how much I've been blessed with, how much God has done for me. And that's basically what Lincoln's proclamation was. He said, we've been intoxicated by our success. And we start to think we're all that. Amen. 
We start to think that we've done so much. I have what I have because I worked hard for it. There are a lot of people in this world who work hard and have nothing. That work harder even and have far less. We start to think, you know, I, can, I, I did all this and I accomplished all this out of the sweat of my brow and discipline and going to school and studying or working hard or all this. And we get caught up in ourselves. And we start to lose sight of the fact of what Paul said. What do you have that you did not receive? <laughs> you know, we were born into this world. We didn't even have clothes. We had nothing. Nothing. And he says, what do you have that you did not receive? Everything we have was given to us. Everything we have, we need to be grateful for. It's an interesting thing. Gratitude is, is, is it's a key to life. Being grateful for what we have, right? It's a key to happiness. I mean, grateful people are happy people. Ungrateful people are unhappy people. People who complain a lot. Like picture somebody complaining a lot. Picture somebody complaining. Are they smiling and happy or are they upset and angry? They're upset and angry, aren't they? And we don't even like people being around people like that. We don't even like being around ourselves when we're like that. And nobody else wants to be around us either. You know, when we're complaining and unhappy and, and not, not, not satisfied with what we have. Because gratitude just it makes you happy. When you're grateful for what you have. And every once in a while, we, we have to stop and just check ourselves. Yeah. And, and I think that's the value of this week. Especially for Christians. Especially, especially for disciples of Jesus. Amen. We need to stop and just count our blessings. Stop and think about what have I received from God. What have I been blessed with? Because it's easy to think about what I didn't get blessed with. What I don't have. What I wish I had. What I feel like I should have had, you know. And get caught up in that. And even thinking about that, does that make you happier or grumpier? <laughs> makes us grumpier, right? It makes us less the person we even want to be. Gratitude is key to happiness. And, a lot, and, and actually, there's a lot of research that shows it's also key to being healthy. Grateful people are healthier. They're, they're mentally healthier. They're emotionally healthier. They're physically healthier. There's something about gratitude, about being a grateful person. And so sometimes we just, we just got to check ourselves. Am I being grateful for the things that I have for what God has given me, for where I'm at now, right now. How about for becoming a Christian? For even reading our Bibles, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was going and I was and I was doing a presentation, a hope presentation with all the Middle East church leaders, and so the conference was in Cairo, Egypt. So we land, spend the night. We got there late night. We get up the next morning. And we're, everybody's supposed to be in the lobby, and we're going to go to a retreat center and have a three-day retreat with all the church leaders and actually the entire Cairo church 
and the church leaders from across the Middle East. And I, I came down, there's a hustle and bustle and people running around. It looks like something's wrong. And I, what's going on? What, what, what's wrong? And so, well, we're trying to get cars because two weeks ago, and I actually read this in the newspaper, or actually read it on my computer, not the newspaper. And on the way, yeah, before. I didn't tell my wife. But uh, uh, two weeks before, uh, terrorists had pulled over a bus full of Christians and beheaded all the men. And then about four or five days later, they did it again. These buses were going to the very retreat center we were going. And we were about to get on the same kind of buses. And so the leadership decided, no, we, we don't want to look like these targets. So we're going to just get all the disciples' cars, and we're going to rent a few cars, and we're going to all drive out there. And I'm thinking, yeah, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> Let's not, I mean, we're going to look like eggs in a carton if we get on one of these buses, you know. So we, we all drove out there, and we drive in, and there's this big wall. And there's no signs or anything, just a big wall. Right, and we iron gate, and they open the iron gate, and the and the cars all pour in, and they shut the iron gate, and it's the Christian Retreat Center. But of course, there's no signs, nobody knows, no crosses, that's for sure, nothing like that, you know, and and, and nobody else knows. But so we're in there, and then I I get off the bus and I go and look at the auditorium. So what's the first thing I do is I walk in and think, okay, if I have to run and escape, how do I get out of here? And there's one entrance, one door going in. This huge building. And I'm thinking, what if I'm sitting on this side? I'm sitting by the door. And, and what if they come in and I'm thinking, the windows, how do I open the windows? And I go and I check the windows. The windows don't open. They're cemented in. And I look, I, I'm thinking, how would I break a window? And I'm looking around, the plastic chairs. Like, I can't break a window with a plastic chair. And I literally, I looked at him and thought, the mic stands. I'll grab a mic. I'm thinking all this through, you know, everybody else is hugging each other. Hey, bro, bro. I'm like thinking my escape route and what am I going to get out? And, and that night, and that night, every time that gate opened up, because it was loud, a big iron gate, I got up and looked out the window. Who's coming in? Who's coming into the compound? And I thought, man, I never think about this on Sunday mornings. I never have to worry about any of this. I was talking to one brother in his Bible talk about six months earlier. They're in the middle of having Bible talk, and these people bust down the door. These guys came running and grabbed everybody, and they were dragging the sister out, and the brothers had to fight to defend her. And one of the brothers got stabbed by one of the guys, and they got the sister all the way out in the car, and she escaped. But they were terrorists. And I thought, I don't ever have to worry about that. I, I carry around my Bible. I don't worry about who's looking at it or who's noticing that I'm a Christian. I have so much to be grateful for. I have so much to be thankful for. You know, and, they, and, and the incredible thing is they were so happy. They were so grateful for everything. And I was talking to another brother. And he was like, yeah, he was a couple years ago. Um, we were having church ministry. We're singing songs and and all of a sudden, we hear sirens and all this stuff. And he said, we just ignored it. kept singing. And after a while, they went away. He said, after church, after midweek, we found out. There was a guy on his way into midweek with a vest 
of bombs. And he was going to come into midweek and blow himself up in the middle of midweek. But the bomb accidentally went off in the parking lot. And he only blew himself up. But his intention was to go in the middle of fellowship and blow everybody up. You know, how grateful are we this morning for being able to just be here and sing. We don't have to worry about who's hearing us. We don't have to worry about, you know, what's, and, and not that we don't have our issues too. I mean, it's become a regular, shooters are a regular occurrence now. You know, people hurting people. But we have so much to be grateful for. So much to be thankful for. We came into this world naked and screaming, owning nothing. And we've received so much. And we live in one of the sweet spots of the world. You know, and, and, and one of the reasons I was asked to work with Hope, because I grew up poor in California, but I, moving, traveling around the world, I realized, look, there's a, I got a whole new definition of what it means to be poor. Because I had food and I had shelter. Maybe not a safe neighborhood, maybe not a safe place. And even at our worst, I was living in a car, our family lived in a car. At our worst, I got to tell you, it was a Cadillac that we were in. 63 Cadillac, and the trunk was my bedroom. And have you ever seen the trunk of a 63 Cadillac? They're huge. I could have had a swimming pool and a ping pong table in there. But I always had shelter, and, and truthfully, I was blessed with parents who loved me and were very expressive of that. So even at our worst, and I met so many people who have nothing and live in constant danger all the time. And I remember one day we went out and we, we, my, I had my daughter with me, my oldest daughter, Elena, and we were going refugee camp to refugee camp all over Turkey, taking supplies to people. And we were taking just basic things like yoga mats so that you'd have something to sleep on instead of a cement floor, blankets, shoes, because most of them had sandals even though the ground was covered with frost. And we went back to our hotel, and it wasn't a fancy hotel, it was just a regular hotel. And my daughter, I saw her sit down on the bed and she just started crying. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, how can we stay in this hotel and sleep on this bed when we know these, these women, and because and, and, the men were mostly gone in the day working, and it was the, the grandmas that stayed home and take care of the kids while the moms and the dads were out trying to raise money to feed their families. And she said, these grandmas are all sleeping in the dirt, and it's cold outside. And these kids are all bundled together because they're so cold. You know, and, and all I could tell her was, we're blessed. And we need to, if we get anything out of this, we need to know how grateful we should be. How thankful. And how eager to share with others who don't have. And to give to others who haven't been blessed like we have. And I don't know why, why do some get more than others? And I'm sure God will make all that clear at the end on Judgment Day. But the truth is, even for what we don't have, we need to be grateful. 
because we don't know how it might corrupt us, how it might take, turn us away from God, you know, how it might ruin us. I mean, can I handle more money? I don't know. I think I, we all think we could, right? Oh, well, why, let's try it. Give me a million dollars. Let's, let's try it. See how I do. But what if, what if you knew that if you hit the lotto and get $50 million, you will fall away. And your family will turn on you. It happens all the time. And even your relationship with your kids will go bad. It happens all the time. But inside we think, no, I could be the one who can handle it. I'll be the one, I'll be the one who proves that. And everybody says that. And so even the things we don't have, we need to be thankful for. We need to be grateful. We need to thank God for what we have and what we don't have. And realize how blessed we really are. I think about even counting blessings. You know, I got a challenge for you this week to write down 100 blessings. 100 blessings. And this is what happens. The first five or 10, they're easy. This, 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 this. And then you start like, oh, okay, 22. 31. Oh, what? What? No, okay, I'm thankful for that chair. That's a comfortable chair. I'm thinking. <laughs> and then something happens, and then you really start thinking about all the things you have. And then it's what happens because we just don't think about our blessings and how much we have, how much we've been given, how much the Lord has done for us and blessed us with. In James 1.16, he says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And But being grateful is... is it's so important, not just for our mental health and our emotional health, but also for our relationship with God. Because it helps us really understand why I need to be with God. I don't want my Christian life to be an act of discipline. I'm trying to get the habit of reading my Bible. Trying to get No, I want to have a relationship with God where I love being with God. Where I want to just get away from everything and get some time with God. Gratitude makes us like that. Being grateful, recognizing all our blessings, recognizing what we have received makes us like that. Familiarity tends to breed contempt, right? That's the old saying. Familiarity, familiarity breeds contempt. What does that mean? Think of it this way. What if... All the stars only came out one night a year. Imagine if the stars only came out one night a year. That night, everybody would be outside just to see that amazing sight. But because it's out every night, we don't even think about it. When's the last time you just stopped and looked at the stars and thank God? You know, why? Because we, it's out of here. Now I know we're in L.A., so we don't see a whole lot of stars. But there's at least 10 of them up there, right? We need to be grateful. 
for the abundance. I call it the, uh, you know, when we have a lot, we tend to lose sight of our gratitude with a lot. And when we have something in plenty or something that comes easy, we tend to not be grateful for it, which is a crazy thing. Because it's what we want, right? We want our life to be easy. We want things to come easy. We want things to come in abundance. But yet, when, things, when that happens, we tend to lose sight. I call it the Disney principle. You know, when you go to Disneyland, we went to Disneyland. Okay, we moved to L.A., so we got to go to Disneyland, right? And uh, so we went to Disneyland. And you notice this, that when you go into Disneyland, everything's amazing. Wow, even the bushes look like Mickey Mouse and everything. I remember I went, to a, I went into a bathroom and the toilet paper had Mickey Mouse on it. I was like, man, this place is incredible and everything is wonderful. Everybody's happy. Everything is great. That's about 9 o'clock in the morning. 9 o'clock at night. Everybody's tired and cranky and all the kids are crying or they're asleep, you know, or, or you're hoping they'll fall asleep and... And people are complaining. I remember we were walking out, and this guy was like, those lines were too long, and everything's so, you know, everything's so expensive, you know, $10 for a, for a bottle of water, yeah. And, and, and everybody's complaining. And, everybody's like, and I remember this one guy was like, if Disney were smart, he'd do this. I'm like, if Disney were smart, this guy made billions of dollars off a mouse. I think he's smart. He can at least say the guy's smart, right? But this is what happens to us. It's the same thing that happens. That's the magic kingdom. But it also happens in God's kingdom. We come in. Oh, this is wonderful. The singing's great. The, everybody's so nice and everybody's hugging me. I didn't like it at first, but I got used to it now. I, I want everybody to hug me now. And, and, and we love each other. And it's great. It's wonderful. Fast forward 10, 15 years. Oh, we're singing that song again. Yeah. Oh, why did he change that song? I like the way it was 10 years ago, you know. And, and we're like, you know, oh, man, that sister, she always looks at me that way, you know. And, and we're like, oh, no, we're doing that again, you know. And we, and, we, and we get cranky. And we get ungrateful for what we have. We're so blessed as a people. I, honestly, even our challenges, Hebrews 12, 7 says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? You know, and he's specifically talking about ways that God challenges us or allows us to be challenged. That even that, we hate suffering. I mean, we just like, somebody's got to invent a pill for this. Whatever it is. There ought to be a pill I could take and never have to suffer. And if we, we're suffering in any way, we're like, okay, where's Walgreens? You know, we, I got some, I got, there's got to be a pill for this or a cream or something, you know. Because <clears throat> we just hate suffering. We don't like suffering at all. And we don't see the value. You realize, I mean, if you were here last time I preached on Jesus was perfected through suffering. Even Jesus had to suffer. And in my experience, what I realize is suffering is one of the best teachers out there. We learn so much from suffering. And even in that, there is great value. And we need to thank God. And then there's things that happen that I don't think are what God wanted. 
They're not his will. They're not what he wanted. Why? Well, because who is the Lord of this world? Satan. And so he's out destroying and hurting and maiming and, and, and doing everything he can to hurt people and destroy their lives. And all those wonderful promises of God, plans to give you hope and a future, plans to, to bless you and, and all these things, he wants to rob you of all of them. And he wants you to suffer. But even in that, we have to learn to say to God, thank you. And God is good. And even when things hurt us, we have to stop and realize that if we keep our eyes on Jesus, and if we stay close to God, God will turn that into something good for us. And will work through it for us. God has a way of making lemonade out of lemons all the time. Out of the most intense tragedies and the worst victories of Satan, he can turn it into something that helps us. So even that, even our struggles, we have to say, thank you, God, for the life that I've lived and for the life that I'm receiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul said, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Even the hardships. And I know it's hard sometimes. And sometimes, you know, honestly, sometimes holidays are the, are the worst times for people. And we do think about the people we've lost. You know, I can't get through a Mother's Day without thinking about my mom, who's gone, obviously. So, I get that. And, and, and holidays bring out the problems in our families and, and bring out the conflicts and the hurts and the bitterness and all that kind of stuff. It, it all comes up in these times of year. But even more important, why we as Christians need to focus on God and be grateful for what we have. For what... I remember one time I was talking... My, my mom died October 10th, 1987. October 10th, 1987. January 1st of 1988, I was on a mission team to Mexico City. Barely a month and a half later, two months later. And I remember I was sitting there in Mexico and I was talking to a teen of a family that went on the mission team. And he was probably 18, 17. No, he, was, he hadn't left. So he was like 17. And he said, I hate my mom. I said, why do you hate your mom? She's always trying to tell me what to do. She's always controlling me. She's always this, that, and trying to direct my life. And, and you know, he didn't know my background. And he didn't know what I'd just been through. And I told him, I said, well, you know, I said, I've literally had this thought. I would let somebody saw off my right arm if I could have five minutes with my mom. Just five minutes. To look at her and tell her how much I appreciate her and all that she did for me. I would be willing to suffer that. I said, you have no idea the blessing you have that you can go home and talk to your mom. The person who has done probably more for you than anybody on this planet. And, you know, he just, he was kind of shocked. At, you know, and I told him what happened to me. And it changed his perspective. And ever since then, I've always told people about Mother's Day, you know what? If your mom's alive, go hug her. Go thank her. 
the fact that you have people who love you around you, thank them. If for nothing else, for loving you, you know, for putting up with you and caring about you. Be grateful for that. There are millions of people on this planet who have nobody. The thing that, I, that really, probably one of the biggest things I learned working with Hope Worldwide for four years, and Hope, God gave me a tour of the worst parts of this planet, the worst slums, ghettos, townships, the worst parts of this world, is that poverty robs people of all self-worth and dignity. They think that they're trash. They think they're worthless. And I saw little kids in the hundreds and thousands and millions on the streets in India who nobody looks at them. They are no more valuable than a rat or a cockroach and in some ways even more despised. And that's their self-view. And they know that. I sat in groups in South Africa where we sat in a circle and, and the women shared that this was the first time coming to this group that anybody in their whole lives have ever told them that they're beautiful and they, they're, value, they're, they're valued in this life. And that God loves them and that they are somebody important. They'd never heard that in their whole lives. They grew up abused and cast aside. And I realized that the greatest thing you can do for somebody is love them and care about them and show them that their life is important, that they mean something, they're valuable. And I realize how we all walk around with our insecurities and do I, you know, does anybody care about me? Does anybody love me? And, but the truth is most of that around here is in our own heads, right? Because we do have people that love us and care about us. And we have to stop and think about those people and thank them for loving us and caring about us. Because just the fact that they love us means you're blessed if you have one person who cares about you. Amen. And you have more than one. Sure. And you have God always watching over you. As a young Christian, I used to think, oh, well, people, you know, the good news, the Bible talks all about the good news, the good news, the good news, but I feel like they need to know the bad news first. <laughs> because they're not going to appreciate the good news if they don't know the bad news. So the bad news is you're a wretched sinner and you're so messed up, you're, you know, you're this, you're that, you're this. But I've learned that most of us know we're messed up. <laughs> we may walk around and act like we're not. And we have this shell of, I got it together. But it's a very thin shell. Inside, we know we're all messed up. And so what we really need to know is how much God loves you. And how much God cares about you. Yeah, I know some of us get deceived and we need to know. Somebody's got to tell us the bad news. And we need to come to grips with the bad news about our characters, our sin, our lives. But more than anything, and what's going to empower you to get all the way to heaven is not the bad news. 
It's not the fear of punishment of the bad news. It's not even the fear of hell. It's the beginning of wisdom, but it's not the end of wisdom. What's going to get you there is knowing how much God loves you. What's going to empower you to overcome all the obstacles that Satan throws in front of you. What's going to give you the strength to not take an exit off the highway to heaven is not your fear. It's God's love. It's Jesus' love who died on the cross for you. And so therefore, you have to stop and recognize that and realize how much God loves me, how much God cares about me, how much Jesus cares. Paul said, always give thanks to God, the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Always give thanks. Always stop and just thank him. Don't be stingy with God. Don't be ungrateful with God. There's nobody who loves you more. There's nobody who cares about you more than God. He loves you more than anybody. Whether, and the amazing thing is whether you recognize that or not, it doesn't change him. You can't change God. You're not that awesome. I'm sorry. You can't change God. He loves you, period. He's not obligated to love you. He didn't sign a contract to love you. He did, he, he, nobody's going to guilt him out. He doesn't get in trouble if he doesn't love you. He loves you because that's who he is. That's what he is. God is love. And he's totally for you. And every once in a while, you need to stop and just think about that. How much God cares about you. There's a lot of people, and even us sometimes, we would gladly give a 10% tip or a 15% tip to a waiter, but we don't want to give God 10% or 15% of anything, let alone our money or our time or our energy, or our resources. There are people who will sacrifice their time, their money, their talent, everything for sports, for hobbies, for entertainment, but not for God. Even though he gives 100%. 100%. The truth is, the Christian life is just a big, giant Thank you to God. That's all it is. It's us saying thank you. Oh, no, no. It's us being perfect and being perfect examples and being powerful and changing the world. No, you're not perfect. You're never going to be perfect. Nowhere even close. It's just you being grateful and doing the best you can with what you got. Because why? Because we're grateful. Amen. Why are we here? Because we're grateful. Why do we go to church? Why do we give? Why do we put up with each other? Because we're grateful that God put up with us. Right? Don't lose sight of that. Or you become the grumpler, the grumbler on the way out of Disney World. Or Disneyland. So every day, we need to give thanks. And we need to be thankful with everything God has given us. And this week, it's Thanksgiving week. So let's give thanks to God and to each other. God bless you.